0: Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream mean, was and what it means, you'll be torn from limb to limb. Your houses will be demolished into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. The king replied, I can see through your trick. You are trying to stall for time because you know I am serious about what I said. If you don't tell me the dream, you will be condemned. You have conspired to tell me lies in hopes that something will change. But tell me the dream, and and then I will know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, there isn't a man alive who can tell your majesty his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing from any magician, enchanter, and astrologer. This is an impossible thing the king requires. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he sent out orders to execute all the wise men of Babylon. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time, so he could tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from God. From the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven and answered, saying, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons, He removes kings and sets up kings, He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Then Daniel went in to see Ariok, who had been ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. The king quickly, then Ariak quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who would tell your majesty the meaning of your dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can tell the king such things, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. The revealer of mysteries has shown you what is going to happen. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and then broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Your majesty, you are a king over many kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another great kingdom inferior to yours will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth great kingdom, as strong as iron. The kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and clay that shows that the kingdom will be divided. Some parts of it will be as strong as iron, others as weak as clay. The mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. This will not succeed just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. No one will ever conquer it. It will shatter all these kingdoms into nothingness, but it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the stone cut from the mountain by supernatural means, crushing to dust the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver and gold. The great God has shown your majesty what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning certain. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel. Commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the strength, the beauty that's in them. Lord, we absolutely believe that what Paul teaches is correct, that all scripture is God-given. It is able to impact us, shift us, change us, and bring out of us everything you've desired. So, Lord, as we take a look at this, we ask for your wisdom and your grace to discern it, to know it, to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Lots in there. My personal favorite line is, but there is a God. Love that one. I want us to notice the dream and the statue. What's going on here is the kingdoms of the world are being shown to Nebuchadnezzar prior to them coming into power. So this is a prophetic dream. Isn't it interesting if we just push pause and consider that God's giving a pagan king, a king that has no relationship with him, prophetic knowledge of what is to come. Obviously, Babylon is the, is the empire that's the head of gold. The next one is, that is of silver, the breast of silver, the arms of silver, is the Medo-Persian empire. This will come after Babylon. Following that will be the Greek empire with Alexander the Great. This is what's, what, what is being pictured as the belly and thighs of brass. And then comes the Roman Empire, which is the legs of iron. Now it's interesting, how many know what, hap- what significant world event to scripture happens during the Roman Empire? 70 AD, I'll give you a hint. Any, 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 any takers? Temple's destroyed. What also happens when the temple is destroyed in 70 AD is that Israel ceases to be a nation. This is what's referred to as the dispersion or the diaspora. They're they're sent to the world at large. They stop. So from a prophetic timeline, I think it would be fair to say the prophetic clock stops at this moment. Interestingly, you could say, I don't agree with that. It's fine. It's it's really not going to change the definition, so it's okay. Israel in 1948 becomes a nation again all of a sudden the prophetic clock picks back up. What do you mean? There is something that happens that I, th- I, I believe is the right way to interpret the feet of iron and clay. Did you know that we're living in, in, a, in a time when a lot of world leaders would refer to it as the reforming of what was the Roman Empire? The European Union is largely considered to be the reforming of the, what was the Roman Empire. Similar parts of the world coming together. Did you know that there's 10 nations? 1948, there's six, and there's four more added to it. 10 toes? Works? So you look at this. Here's what's important for us to see. The stone that's cut without human hands is really the focus of this dream. It's the kingdom of God. So 2,700 years ago, the most powerful king in the earth is told about a coming kingdom that would invade and supersede anything. And he's troubled to the point of killing people over it. And you and I are privileged to be alive in that kingdom dispensation. There is absolutely no way to interpret this without realizing we are in the season of the iron and the clay. Stop and consider what that means. There are no more world kingdoms biblically that are going to come to power and be developed. We are in the season of the last. At some point, we have to allow that to begin to inform our political worldview. The fears of who's gonna rise to power, what happens if, what, and stop and go, look, biblically, we understand something that God has whispered and spoken that we are living in the last days. There's no way around it. The last season Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal organization that, I think it was, I don't mean to be crass, there was a little fear-mongering in it. So we were leveraged to get saved almost every week because you never know if tomorrow was going to happen. But the truth is, we don't know that tomorrow's going to happen. What we do know biblically is there's no way for, if if we were living in the middle of the Greek empire and Alexander the Great was around, we would look at it and go, hey, there's more to come. It's not going to happen in my timeline. But we here now are positioned clearly in this feet of iron and clay. We're in this last season. So I want us to notice something else that an earthly leader needs spiritual wisdom and can't find it. For a second, let all the language outside of this idea drop away. All the Babylonian, all the, all, all the Jewish, let it all drop away for a second and just look at this with me. and Because I think there's a principle for us. There will come a time for us each individually in our lifetime when human wisdom fails and supernatural wisdom's needed i think nebuchadnezzar for us represents leadership and authority whether it's in the church world whether it's in the marketplace it represents anyone in leadership and authority in our lives so notice who answers the call for wisdom in the marketplace Who answers this marketplace call for wisdom? A citizen of that stone-cut-without-human-hands kingdom. Tracking with me? It's Daniel. Why does Daniel answer the call? Because it was the right thing to do? No. Because Daniel had access. Because the citizens of the hidden kingdom have access to the ruler of that kingdom. So this story is really not about God teaching Daniel something. It's about God using Daniel to speak directly into the marketplace that he was placed in. And when I say marketplace, I know we instantly will think bazaars downtown. Use this word marketplace to understand the world that you have been placed in. Whatever it is, the place of influence. I don't. If you work for yourself, it's the client base that you're going to come in contact with. If you're at Colorado State University, it's the world system around you. If you're at King Supers, and and you're, it's that world around you. It's anywhere you go because you're a citizen of the kingdom. So Daniel, God is using Daniel to speak into the marketplace he was placed in and to be a help in time of need. What I think it's about is the reality that what Daniel knew how to access in the secret place gave him voice in the public place. And what I believe we can learn from Daniel and put into practice in our own lives is how he faced this moment. Three things I want to give us. Daniel faces his situation immediately and without fear. There is no recluding. There's no pulling away going, Woe is me, how are we gonna do this? He just faces it head on. And I would love to challenge us that we can do that if we are settled in his love. And we're rooted and we're grounded in the reality that he is sovereign, he's overarching, I'm a child of his, I'm I'm walking as he's called me to walk. You see where fear comes in is when I know I'm out of alignment with the king, but I'm positioned in a place where the earth knows that I'm a citizen of the kingdom, and now all of a sudden I'm stuck. I'm in no man's land. This is why the fear of the Lord is so vital for us because the fear of the Lord is clean. We're walking right before the Lord. So, in the moment that trouble comes, we can face it with absolute confidence because there is no fear in our standing. Does that make sense? This is why the enemy works so hard to trip us up because he understands that if he can trip us up, that very Sin pattern or that very thing that we've aligned with will cause us enough doubt that we won't be able to be tenacious when we need to be and face it without fear. Second thing I love that Daniel does is he turns into his community for strength and answers. First thing he does is he goes to the people that he trusts, that he's built relationship with. He goes to his friends, kingdom guys. They get together and they begin to pray. We have to let go of this strange Western idea that we can live independent and isolated in the kingdom of God. God built us to live in community. What I, I don't mean this. This is awesome and I love it. This is where we strengthen each other, we build each other up, that's the call of the church. What I'm talking about is building small group systems where you go intimate with people and you get to know them. And so when difficulty comes, you can lean into them because you've got a micro group around you that you've built relationship with and you can face what you're facing with strength because they're going to be able to partner with you and help bring some accountability and some encouragement. We have to be people that dwell in those kinds of places that move into those kinds of relationships. That is not an effort to boast small groups. Early on in our journey, I felt like we, had, we didn't do small groups. The Lord said, I want you to launch small groups. I'm like, why? He's like, because it helps churches stay healthy. I'm like, okay. We need to have life together. The third thing I see that Daniel did and I love is instead of the thing that we often do as men, which we turn to our brain, we turn to our wisdom, we turn to our intellect to solve a problem, that's not what Daniel does. The first thing Daniel does is he turns to his God. He makes the movement to the Lord his first move, not his second move. And we have to be a people that stop moving to God in response to our inability to solve it. We have to move to him in first response to say, you know all things, you're my first movement, I'll lean on my own understanding second. And I think this is the application for us. The intimacy you develop in the secret place is intended to inform what you influence in the public place. We're building intimacy in the secret place because we know our Father is positioning us in the marketplace and there will be a moment when we need his grace and his wisdom and his absolute answer. And so we're learning how to access this. We're developing that language. We're being people that are found alone with God so that when we're in the marketplace and the world needs an answer, we're there. Because church supernatural wisdom And answers are available to us. Psalm 25 will say it this way Friendship with the Lord is set apart or reserved for those who would fear him, and with them he shares the secrets of his kingdom. Nothing we will face is beyond our ability to get access. Whatever difficulty you face, he has an answer. The principle is your secret place needs to inform your marketplace. Let's stand.